This week on The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. It was a culture that at its root was a we culture. How do we undo the homeless culture and come home where it's we again? I'm Neil Harvey. It's betting big on a dream, coming home to a we culture with tribal chairman Greg Saris on The Bioneers. What does it mean to be a modern Indian in the United States today? It means being the heartbeat of people whose spirits refuse to be conquered in the face of genocide. It means sustaining your culture and values through serial traumas of slavery, dispossession, diaspora, and denial of your heritage and identity. It means not closing your heart despite unimaginable suffering, loss, and disrespect. It means sustaining your original instructions to be grateful, to practice reverence and kinship with community and creation, and to enjoy life. It means inviting all people to re-indigenize ourselves, to become native to our place, our community, and the circle of life. Given the extreme economic disenfranchisement Native American tribes and nations have endured, being an Indian in modern times has given rise to Indian casinos, one of their only real economic options other than destructive resource extraction industries. As the elected leader and chairman of the Federated Indians of Grayton Rancheria in Northern California, Greg Saris found himself staring down the barrel of massive community resistance to his tribe's proposed casino. Was it possible to create a casino that would uphold traditional values and benefit the land and local community? Let's put it this way, you wouldn't want to bet against him. This is Betting Big on a Native Dream, coming home to a we culture with Greg Saris. My name is Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to the Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. Pre-contact, there were more indigenous people in Marin, Sonoma, and Lake County than there was anywhere in the New World outside of the present site of Mexico City, which was the Aztec capital. There were more languages spoken in this area than anywhere outside the central Philippines. And, you know, the ethnographers and anthropologists who always, as my great aunt always used to say in her mixed English, used to say, always tried to analyze us. Um, <laughs> she... Um, they always wondered, how did so many people get along for thousands of years with virtually no physical warfare? They took care of the environment and all of that. The Federated Indians of Great and Rancheria are Coast Miwok and Southern Pomo people. They once roamed and cared for the land and waters north of San Francisco that now comprise Marin and Sonoma counties. The Grayton Rancheria is one of more than 100 California Indian tribes and tribal groups who still speak numerous languages and dialects. Their identity and spirituality remain deeply connected to the land. Tribal chair Greg Saris began as an author and filmmaker with a doctoral degree from Stanford University. He's an accomplished scholar with deep knowledge of the complex family lineages and oral histories of his people. Then, he found himself charged with becoming a visionary and political leader facing modern problems. He spoke at a Bioneers conference. We had a very subtle culture. Um, essentially, 
we believe that everything in nature had power and had the power to protect itself and take care of itself. So a rock, a bird, everything had songs, had spirit. And if you violated that spirit, it would come back on you. And so what, what that did is you were constantly reminded that you weren't the center of the universe, you were part of the universe. You were constantly decentered as a knower, always questioning, wondering, because you didn't know. And you know, um, again, the ethnographers always said, well, these Central California cultures were predicated on black magic and fear and all these kinds of things. No, they were predicated on profound respect for every aspect of life and the ways in which everything was connected. You know, the Europeans, it's the Spanish when they came here, of course, they had a great debate whether we were even worth converting because they said we were so backward and so stupid that all we did is sit around and sing songs and weave baskets. Art and philosophy, what a way to go. Um, <laughs> You know, but um, uh, anyway, they didn't understand us. And all of us have a tendency to see other people in terms of ourselves. And the Europeans always thought that the Plains cultures were the most sophisticated because the Plains cultures manifested the things that the Europeans valued most, organized warfare, right? They, they had that. We were much more subtle. You just dropped dead the next day. And the Europeans didn't understand subtlety. They're, they're still working on it. California Indians enjoyed an abundant land. They didn't need to fight over it. As hunters and gatherers, they moved with the seasons and traveled light. Each new season was welcomed through ritual and song. Through storytelling, elders passed their history to the next generation. This was a culture that embraced everyone and everything. Greg Saris. Basically, it was a culture that at its root was a we culture. We with one another, we with everything that was here. And it was a culture that I want to call a home culture. We were home. We were safe. We were connected. When the Spanish first came and then the Mexicans, all of a sudden, a new story came, a new culture. It was not a home culture, it was a homeless culture. It was based on, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick a blame. My, my mother is Jewish, so I'm gonna blame the Jews for this one. Uh, but let's just pick a story. There's a group of people that were wandering, released from slavery, and they're wandering the desert 3,000 years ago, and they're told that they are owed a homeland and that they're chosen. That combination became very toxic because you became entitled and you were entitled to go somewhere and claim something. That culture kept getting replicated and replicated. Christians, Muhammad, we're all, they're all the best. One God, all that kind of thing. And everywhere that went spawned new nationalisms and an us-them culture. Wars, us-them, us-them, us-them. How do we undo the homeless culture and come home where it's we again. We're all here. There was an official policy underlying the takings of Aboriginal lands called the Doctrine of Discovery. It originated in 1455 with a papal bull where the Pope authorized the right to claim and conquer non-Christian lands that were, quote, newly discovered. 
a further doctrine called terra nullius, which derived from Roman law and means land belonging to no one, meant a conqueror could occupy and claim these lands as though no one lived there or had any prior standing on the lands they'd inhabited for centuries or longer. Waves of colonial powers systematically used these doctrines to colonize lands belonging to long-standing, sovereign, and indigenous nations. The Spanish came, put us in missions right here. Uh, then the Mexican period came in, the Californio period came. That group of Californios, Vallejo and those folks, established one of the most elaborate slave trading systems that we've seen, where they took all the men, mostly the men and boys, and traded them as far away as Mexico from here and kept us as slaves. Then, of course, the Bear Flag Revolution came. California became a state. The first piece of legislation that the state of California enacted was the Act for the Government and Protection of Indians, which legalized Indian slavery in the state of California. That law was not repealed until 1868, three years after the Civil War, so that here Indian children were being sold and taken and raided and all of that. Then, after that law was repealed in 1868, we became, in fact, indentured servants on whosoever land we were on, and hence you begin to get the term rancherias around. And that went on uh, around. We were not citizens, as were other American Indians, until 1924. That meant a girl here, and we didn't have, especially in this area, the Coast of Miwok didn't have reservations or large groups of people. We had to hide the best we could. But remember, if you're not a citizen, you can be raped or tortured, and you have no recourse in the courts. That was a situation for those of us who were Indian people here until 1924. My grandmother was born in 1910. So again, it was a very difficult history. At the turn of the 20th century, early part of the 20th century, all of a sudden, more people moving into California, more people moving into this rich area, and so forth, they began to say, what are we going to do with these Indians? They're all there's groups of these homeless Indians. They didn't even call us by tribal name or anything like that. They called homeless Indians. So the federal government created the California Indian Rancherias for the so-called homeless Indians of California. And what they did is they created little groups of land and they said all the homeless Indians go there. So in our case, for instance, this is the actual legislation for the homeless Indians of Tamales Bay, Bodega Bay, Sebastopol, the vicinities thereof, will go to the Grayton Rancheria, 15.5 acres, and become a de facto tribe. Now, it could have been any American Indian who was in the area, homeless Indian, but it was de facto a tribe, became a designee for that rancheria. Adding injury to injury, in 1958, the United States found a way to swindle Native Americans out of even the small tracts that had been left for them. During this termination period, it was U.S. policy to terminate the rancherias by enticing individuals with private land ownership. That's what happened on the Graydon Rancheria. So they come in the summer, in August of 1958, and there's three older men on the reservation none of whom understand the law very well. And the rest of us are out harvesting pears because that's what we were doing that time of year. And they said to these three older gentlemen, would you like to own your land? Well, to three older Indian guys, that sounds really good. So they said, sign here. And by signing there, unbeknownst these, these guys, these older men in our tribe, we lost our sovereignty, we lost the tribe, we lost everything that we had as an Indian people, what little we did have. 
But in 1992, the tide began to turn for the Coast Miwoks. Greg Saris had been working as an assistant professor at UCLA, but he decided to come home to help a burgeoning movement to restore tribal recognition. For the first time in 40 years, families associated with the Grayton Rancheria came together and shared food, photos, and stories. They began to restore their kinship and identity. Then they decided to organize. For eight years, we fought, and finally, I uh, drafted language for a bill to get us restored. President Clinton signed that bill, finally, in December 2000, two weeks before he went out of office. And to date, we're the last tribe in the United States of America to be restored by an act of Congress. So, uh, <laughs> Tribal status gave the Grayton Rancheria autonomy and pride. It also afforded them the ability to reverse centuries of economic dispossession. The obvious but controversial choice was to build a casino. Gambling would mean real money. But would the casino threaten the land and the character of Native peoples whose identity was defined by respect for the land? And how would their non-Native Sonoma and Marin County neighbors react? When we return, Greg Saris confronts the real-time clash of civilizations that modern Indians face every day, and he dreams big. This is Betting Big on a Native Dream, coming home to a we culture. I'm Neil Harvey. You're listening to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. To explore all available Bioneers radio shows and video programming, please visit media.bioneers.org. Once the Coast Miwok people won their tribal status, they faced a daunting new challenge. Building a casino could bring great wealth to the tribe, but threaten their culture and create enemies in the community. After long deliberations, tribal chair Greg Saris saw the casino as a breakthrough opportunity to bring his people and everyone back from a me to a we culture. The last thing I wanted to do is get involved in something like a casino. I mean, I'm a nerd. I write books. I read books. Um, so I thought, okay, can we do something that would benefit Indian and non-Indian alike? Is it possible, is it totally antithetical to somehow use this to create a home for all of us? Is it somehow possible to create that, the old ethics and aesthetics of place where we not only become keepers of the land, but are reminded that the land keeps us? Okay, is, is this possible? It seems strange. Well, I knew the folks, our tribe, our council wanted to go this direction, so I knew that we had a lucrative location and I knew I'd have some power, so I pulled that power. All the casino operators were interested in talking to me, of course, and folks, it, it is strange world. I mean, you know, these money guys, all the things you've heard are true. Um, so uh, anyway, they come, 
And given the location, I created a cockfight in my living room. And I had them all there. And I said, I want 100% control of the development board. I said, I want to build it and run it union so that the maids and everybody else have medical, dental, and retirement. I said, I want to build it LEED certified. And I want 200 million up front that I don't have to pay back that we can give to our green organizations and the things that matter to us. Well, you know, I got it all. <laughs> but, but the interesting thing, I, you know, I didn't know, know this, this is about green. Guess what the thing that was nearly the deal breaker was? The unions. They did not want, the Vegas did not want anything to do with unions, but too bad, they got them now. Local non-native opposition to the casino was angry and deeply personal. As a leader, Greg Saris found himself going from being a popular, admired local native writer and filmmaker to public enemy number one. I found it a little ironic that there was so much attention and all the politicians, uh, uh, the local politicians were jumping on us and saying, oh, they're so terrible. And I kept thinking here, yes, we are building a facility that's going to be LEED certified and run a union, but I'm looking around Sonoma County and there's 70,000 acres of non-organic grapes and how come nobody's saying anything about that? <laughs> 70,000 acres of non-organic grapes that have lowered the water table 200 feet and are poisoning the workers and poisoning us. But oh boy, those Indians build a green casino and they're bad, bad, bad. Those Indians want to take care of us, and they're bad, bad, bad. We've got to find somebody, have a pariah. Of course, it's not the first time for Indians. Um, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting. There's been two prevalent stereotypes of the American Indian. When we're defeated, you love us. We become the fallen nature god. Oh, isn't it sad? Let's, we love them to weave baskets and be in museums. And, you know, weren't they into nature and wonderful? But the minute it becomes a question of power and territory, suddenly we're wagon burners again. <laughs> so when I was making movies and writing books, I was native son in Santa Rosa. When I come back and I'm leading this casino thing, all of a sudden I'm the devil. I'm not Indian, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm, I'm, I want to make money. Folks, I have a job. Um, you know, uh, so it was, it was an ugly thing. But we said, take the high road, take the high road. Of course, as one of my cousins said, uh, Greg, I'm so tired of taking the high road, I've got a nosebleed. But um, <laughs> so we moved ahead. And what, then each opportunity became an opportunity to do the right thing. The political fight was bare-knuckled. The objections were understandable, and the concerns were legitimate. But Greg Saris and his tribe stayed focused on a bigger dream, one they believed could benefit both land and people and give birth to even bigger shared dreams. This casino is not about a new color TV. This casino is not about a bigger car. It's about positioning ourselves to take care of the land and restore the land and buy back open space in Sonoma County so that once again, we will have a home for everybody and can feed everybody the right way. A big dream, a big dream. But that was our dream and is our dream. The big dream. Casino revenues would help not just the tribe itself. 
It would conserve and engender wider respect for the land. It would bring back a we culture to benefit the entire community. Greg Saris and the tribe decided to put all their chips on the table and call the bluff of business as usual. He proposed another radical idea to the governor of California. All the tribes that have gaming, they have to give up roughly 15% back to the state. So I said to the governor, you know, you can't give money locally anymore, much money. Why don't, instead of that money, go to you? Why doesn't it come back to the local community? And it's a win-win for everybody. But I also thought, but I want the tribe to have control of that to say how it's used so that when it comes back, supervisors don't pay for pensions with it. In an unprecedented move, the governor agreed. $25 million a year from Great Rancheria will go to the parks and open space, land space, every year. In addition to that, the five million on top of that, now we're up to 30 million, five million on top of that will go to an environmental issue or issues jointly decided on by a panel comprised of 50% Great and Rancheria Tribal Council and 50% Sonoma County Supervisors. Six million on top of that will go to the two non-gaming tribes in Sonoma County. Each of those tribes will get $3 million a year to take care of themselves and enhance their lives. They're in, they're, in, they're in locations where they can't have casinos, and frankly, we have enough casinos. If the other tribes who are in lucrative locations making all this money would take care of other Indian people, we wouldn't have all these wars. Two million to Sonoma County Indian Health then on top of that. So Sonoma County Indian Health Project that serves Indian people will get two million dollars. Twelve million then will go back to the state for the other non-gaming tribes in the state of California. And then anything above that will again come back to Sonoma County for environmental issues to be jointly decided on between the tribe and the Board of Supervisors. And I forgot to tell you a really important thing. This is my big thing. We still have 320 acres north of 37, and we're giving that to uh, Sonoma County Land Pass. But this is the caveat. With that part of that 25 million, we are immediately beginning to establish and create an organic farm on those 320 farm acres there to grow vegetables. Uh, we will oversee it. It will be farmed by low-risk prisoners and undocumented folks, my best friends. And the vegetables that we grow will be sold in low-income neighborhoods at cost so that the Latinos and others in those low-income neighborhoods can be able to get the kinds of vegetables that the rest of us buy at Whole Foods or other places. So again, uh, that's something I'm, I'm very proud of and that we're going to go. What being modern Indians means for Greg Saris and the Great Rancheria tribe is to act on behalf of all life and their larger human community. At the same time, they're growing stronger and reestablishing their cultural ways in a contemporary context. 
and in the process, they're serving as pathfinders for the rest of us. I'm hoping that other organizations, tribes, and other businesses will follow this model to take care of their local communities to take care of themselves. And in closing, when I began this revenue share with the counties and everything, some of the leaders from Southern California, those wealthy tribes, called me up and said, Greg, you know what your problem is? You're half white. You don't understand. We don't owe the white man anything. And I said, yes, we do. And they said, what? And I said, a good example. And this morning, I think we've delivered it. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Greg Saris. Betting big on a dream, coming home to a we culture. You can explore more Bioneers radio shows and video programming online at media.bioneers.org. For information on attending the National Bioneers Conference and Bioneers events in your area, please visit bioneers.org or call 1-877-BIONEER. The Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute. Executive producer, Kenny Osabel. Written by Katherine Stifter and Kenny Osabel. Senior producer, Neil Harvey. Managing producer, Stephanie Welch. Production management and station relations, Kate Hunter. Distribution is by WFMT Radio Network. Our theme music is taken from the album Journey Between by Baca Beyond and used by permission of Hannibal Records, a Ryko Disc label. Additional music was made available by Colin Farish at canyonrecords.com. For more music information, please visit media.bioneers.org. The opinions expressed in the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature radio series are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the Bioneers in inspiring a shift to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. This is program number 0513. This program was made possible in part by Organic Valley Family of Farms, organic and family owned since 1988. Visit organicvalley.coop. Mary's Gone Crackers, healing the planet through conscious eating, gluten-free and vegan products since 1999. Learn more at marysgonecrackers.com. John Masters Organics. Feel good about looking good. Visit johnmasters.com. Funding also provided by a grant from the Park Foundation, dedicated to heightening public awareness of critical issues, and by the generous support of listeners like you.